This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with REMAX Results, bringing you 20 years experience almost and helping here, serving buyers and sellers in Maryland and Pennsylvania. And I can help in West Virginia and anywhere in the United States. I've had some people recently ask me that. And I do have agent friends all over the place. And I've helped numerous families who have been very happy with um, linking them up with very qualified agents as well around the country that they can feel really good about getting great customer service. And I also have with me the one and only from Presidential Bank Mortgage, Mr. Terry Kernan. Hey, bud. How you doing? Good. Good. How are you? We're deep into the summer now, aren't we? We are. It's, it's going to be Labor Day before you know it. That's my birthday, man. I'll be back out. I don't know. Should I go to Hawaii this year, Colorado? I'm starting to think already. What am I going to do for my birthday? Well, uh, so. have you been skydiving yet? No, I was going to do that in Aruba. That, Ooh, yeah, okay. I'm going to go to Hawaii and do it. That's another good place to go skydiving. Is that in Hawaii or something? Yeah, the problem with skydiving over a small island is your landing spot is very small. Yeah, it is. But I'm not in charge. I'm, I'm going to be hooked up to somebody that knows what they're doing because I don't even know how to pull the chute, man. I'll kill myself out there. I'd want to jump, like, over Indiana where the landing <laughs> space is a little bigger, a little more room. I might for, end up in California, but we tried for A little Indiana. more room for air. Love it, love it. All righty, all righty. Let's get right down to it, um, Terry. Let's get right on to it. So, all right, inventory. I'm going to hit that real quick. Actos 436. Okay. Still can't break that 500, but I still feel it's coming eventually. Resales 282. 32 average days of market. I told you it was going to climb. It's climbing every week. Man, I am getting some big-time prizes, knowing these numbers, predicting things, 32. I won't be surprised next week if we're at 34 to 35 because the choo-choo train is slowing down just a little bit, and that's all it's doing. I had a really good talk with a client um, this morning for a good while explaining a lot of things, and she uh, got some good, more, better warm and fuzzies, but she still has the mindset of, like, I just want to wait till December, January to see what's going on in the market. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, yep, there'll be more inventory you'll have less multiple offers to fight with but i said does that really make a big difference because the real concern is this values are going to be higher you're going to pay more in december even if it's only i don't know two percent more but why darren why darren why, that, what do you mean that's why? what everybody's asking why? why why are values because the demand demand is not going to come down like everybody truly thinks just look at jobs look at just look at jobs. It goes back to jobs and income, which is your great. As Dave Ramsey said, that's your greatest wealth builder. And so, as demand stays high overall, uh, like where we're at, it's come down a little bit. Not what we. It's just not. And we're going to hit on a couple questions that people have come in on Facebook with, which are awesome. So, four eighty five. I'm going to hit on that four eighty five yeah. average median price stuff. One fifty four new homes. Sixty three coming soon. That's the number we still. I keep telling people, we unless get we over. get over 100 consistently, not like, oh, we broke 100, oh, we're back to 80 again. We've got to break 100 consistent coming soons to really start to see inventory get above that five 600 mark. And mm -hmm. that's going to take some time. It's, it takes some time. So as we keep seeing 63, lights out. No, we're still, we're having that many, um, you know, we're still seeing 15, 20 homes a day coming under contract. So it's gobbling those up right away. Pending under contracts right now is uh, 373 that are the new construction. 451 resales with 824 total homes right now in the county under contract. And an average, uh, and then we have the sold in the last 30 days is four. That's come down a little bit. That was above 500. So that's that lag. That's that two-month, 45, 60 days to settle lag. 
And as we see the train slow down, I just talked to Katrina over at Signature this morning real quick. And I asked her, I said, hey, are you, you know, she's like, nah, we're not quite as busy. We've seen it slow down a little bit. Some of it's seasonal, summer vacations. Some of it is buyers and sellers are just, they're hearing that R word <laughs> recession. And they're all like, stop. What's that about? What's all that noise? And it's noise. It's noise. It's noise. It's noise. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, people are going to adjust little by little by little to It's noise nothing. until it's not noise. Exactly. And we pray it's not going to become not noise and it's going to be a catastrophic thing. Um, 100.1% sold the list price. Terry, we are right on the verge of going below 100%, which means as an average whole, buyers um, are, as that number drops down lower and goes below 100, it just shows that I just had, as you know, a couple buyers this week. One of them was, uh, we actually went, what, 5,000 above and got closing help. Hey, we haven't got closing help for a while for people. It's been a while. And I have another one that got it at, the asking price up in Cascade, and they got the 3%. I got them closing cost help and the bells and whistles and everything else, and they're happy. So what we're seeing is more buyers have a really good chance. If you're not going to get closing costs, you may be able to lower the price 3 or 5%. And if you got no other offers as a seller, they're probably going to take it right now because they heard that R word, and so they're worried. Um, and so that's what I'm seeing. That's what's happening. So it's okay. been a good week. Okay. All right, guys, what's up? So the R word, that's, what? that's what everybody's worried about, right? Yeah. And that's why, you know, uh, that's why some people, uh, some people, uh, everybody's uh, portfolio in the stock market is decreasing. It's the reason that everybody's um, interest rates are increasing is inflation, okay? So last week I talked about two things. I said the CPI, Consumer Price Index, and the PPI, the Producer Price Index, are coming out on Wednesday and Thursday, back to back, okay? So what I said at that time is that, they're looking for about a five, a 0.6% increase in the core rate of the consumer price index. Guess what it came in at? Boom, 0.7%. Man, you're going to be in okay. charge of the Fed. Get those people out of the way. Terry I, I, Kernan from Presidential Bank is going to be so running this I've got some thing. interesting stuff here, okay? okay. And, and I hope I don't lose you. And I think I talk slow enough that I'm oh, not yeah. going to lose you. So the PPI comes in on Thursday, and it basically came in at the core rate was at 0.4%. So... Not a bad number in the core, but the overall numbers were definitely skewed by the cost of food and the cost of energy. And those two things are taken out when we figure out the core rate, okay? Without those numbers, our inflation numbers are are 9.1% uh, year over year. The PPI is 11.1% higher. So what does that mean? It means that inflation... Since the Fed has done what they've done by raising the interest rates the last three months, what has happened is it has not shown any effect that it's really helping yet. So July 27th, don't be panicked, but the Fed are going to raise the interest rates again. They're going to raise the prime rate. They, the market has factored in a 0.75% increase in the rate, in the prime rate, okay? So if they come out... And they say, we're raising the federal funds rate 0.75%, just as they did in June. That's already expected. Yep. Here's where things are going to get a little hot, is if they come out and they raise it by 1%, oh. then that's a sign that, that fear has overtaken fear. No okay? kidding. Fear is, is, is now in control of what's going on because the demand is not slowing down. The jobs, as I said last week, jobs, jobs, jobs. 
the jobs market is 3.6%. So I'm going to touch on this real quick, but I'd like to spend some more time on it. Maybe next show is let's talk about the last time our country faced the uh, inflation situation. When was it? It was 1970s, late 70s. Yeah. And so what happened in 1979, Paul Volcker was the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He was appointed in August of 79. And his job was to not be popular. His job was to somehow get inflation under control. So he forced our economy into two recessions. Okay. And it's, it's, it's later been known. And, th- and this is what I was studying. So I went to college. I went to Frostburg from 80 to 84. So I was an economics major. So this like is so vivid to me on studying what was going on back then. And Dr. Day, uh, who was a great doctor, uh, he always wore a bow tie, uh, and he was a very feared professor. But he, I'll never forget one day, he said, the president is not the most powerful man in the world. It is the chairman of the chairman Federal. Chairman of the Fed. He who has it's a the goal. the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And he said this to me, to our class in 1983, okay? And this is when we were in the recession. And this is what Volcker did. And it later became known as the Volcker shock, okay? And the Volcker shock basically is he tried to shock the economy by raising interest rates so fast and so furious that it pushed us into a recession, Okay, it pushed us into two recessions because the first time he did it in 1980, it it worked momentarily. But then the demand came back and jobs. We didn't really lose jobs. So he was forced to do it again. And when he did it the second time, it finally worked and it got inflation under control. So the difference between today and, and 1980 and 81, in my opinion, this is not anybody's opinion, but this is my opinion is that what the government did back then was they stood on the sidelines and they watched Volcker put us in. And, boy, the the, the, uh, the politicians were very upset with what he was doing. But he controlled inflation. What could be damaging this time around is if Chairman Powell, if we go into a recession based on what he's doing, which is very, very likely it's going to happen – what can be very dangerous, Darren, is if the government steps in yep. and gives out money to people and gives people unemployment and gives people all the money because Band-Aids. what because what they're trying to do is slow the economy down. But the government, the last time this happened during the, the pandemic, is basically we gave a lot of people a lot of money. To keep the economy yes. pumping, which wasn't the wrong move. I'm not saying that's the wrong move. Yeah, those people need help. But if funds. we do it again, yeah, it just during it. this recession, it's going to counteract. The yeah. rece- and this is just my opinion. No, it makes sense. In looking at all the data and being so, you know, involved back in 1981, 82, 83, studying the, you know, it, how it was working, and I was thinking the only thing that could change this time around, if we do go into a recession, and 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 it probably won't be a bad thing to to go into a recession and i'm not saying we want to but but do you understand what i'm saying yeah. so if the government uh starts giving you know the the stimulus checks and start trying to help people and trying to that's going to counteract what these interest rate raises are doing because people will still have 
the demand and no supply and and so yeah that makes sense so I, I don't know if i explained that all right but but that's something that just really is so glaring to me uh in looking at everything and remembering what it was like um you know i was a college student but that was my focus I, you know i was an econ major yeah not the most exciting major <laughs> in the world but uh <laughs> no that's good stuff that's good stuff all right can so, I in, sorry, I went off on no, a little tangent, but I think that that's yeah, people are gonna think important about that. to think about. And of course, the big question becomes: How does that affect housing? How does a recession? How does all this stuff? And we're gonna hit on that more, guys. We're gonna want your questions. I've already had a bunch come in from uh, clients of mine and um, others that aren't that are just on my Facebook stuff. So we're gonna hit that, Terry, just for a few minutes, and then I'm gonna hit on how long will your home last? Okay, a couple questions, okay. uh, Keith. The Grizz, I call him. He had said, um, I've helped them buy and sell and all that good stuff. He said, Darren, um, you know, the stock's evaluating. I'm 65 years old. Obviously, everybody is feeling the pressure of, holy cow, there goes some of my money. What's happening and all that. Um, is rental properties, is this going to be a good idea and such like that, you know, as far as my retirement and having some kind of a hope and all that. The biggest thing with retirement I think about is everybody is how much can I accumulate and how long is it going to last after I'm done working? Okay. Um, number one, if you do your due diligence and research, and I've looked at this, there are situations where mutual funds and investments and things like that to different degrees outside of real estate related um, can very be very lucrative for can be very lucrative for retirement. Okay. Okay. I'm not in that world at all. Um, I'll be honest, I have very little uh, real estate side. That's my life, and all that. I have definitely have learned, and I've proven over and over again, the fastest and most secured way to wealth is real estate investing. Okay, um, the ultimate isn't flipping homes. It's not finding a little house for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. We put a hundred into it. We sell it next week. And we make thirty thousand dollars. That's fine for now. I've been part of that stuff. It's fine. It's great. You can make some money, but that's not like that could be a strategy for retirement if you want to keep doing it. But that's work. Unless you're a private investigator, a private investor, sorry, and all you're doing is putting your money into the pot and everybody else is doing the work. You got contractors and you're sitting back and it's like that. But if you really want to build long term, substantial, straight out wealth, what I have found is the, the ultimate I've helped people with is a buy and hold. The best is a multi unit property, duplex, fourplex, whatever. So cash flow. Cash flow. You That's want you to have about. cash flow. So real estate becomes this. Where else can you go? And what is it, 25 30% down, right, for an investment property? Yeah, you're going to be looking at your best strategic uh, pricing and so forth is going to start at 30% okay. down. 30 you, down. You can get something at 25 Okay, but... great. 25 30 down, right? Where else can you go and take 30% of your money, borrow 70% of the bank or somebody else's money, right, at an interest rate, which is fine, okay. and all of a sudden now you've got this property that you can rent, and most rentals, rentals are going to go up. We're going to do a whole show on that, what's coming. Okay, because okay. I just had a client we're working with now. You're doing the loan, Montgomery County. She looked at me this week and she goes, Darren, rents are never going to come down, are they? And I went, no, they're only going to go up. And if we're with a recession, foreclosure, short sales we get to deal with maybe down the road, oh, they're going to just go higher. Why? Because if you're losing your home, you need to go not under a bridge. You're going to go rent something. If you own rental properties, <laughs> you're king of the hill, like more now than ever. So so here's my point on, I want to hit three prongs of how this really works real quick. Number one, when you buy a property as an investment, you get to rent it. Hopefully it pays for itself minimum. I've had investors where they say, Darren, if it just breaks even, no cash flow, just breaks even, pays for itself, sign me up. That's Some, some people, Terry, would say, well, that's stupid. You're not making no money. Oh, yes, they are. 
They have a tax write-off. Correct. And that thing's going up in value. So down the road, though, we're going to capitalize on that end. But on the front end, they're dealing with the write-offs, the straight line, the depreciation, the this, that. Well, and also a reduction in the balance that they owe. Yeah, and the, and the reduction in the balance they owe. So there are benefits right out of the gate. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's short-term, there's mid-term, and there's long-term benefits to buy-hold properties. And I have done a bunch of those, and that's where you build wealth. So for somebody that's thinking about should I – now, here's the question. Should I take all my money in stocks and investments and gold and silver and all those things like that that are outside of real estate? Should I liquidate all of it? Okay, probably not. Dave Ramsey would say no, and there's a lot of tax implications also. But would you maybe do some of it to get into real estate and to have something? Because here's the thing. When you retire, the ultimate way to do it is to have a 10, 15, 20 years max of an investment property mortgage, not 30. You get it paid off, and then 100% of the rental money now becomes your income, if you will. Yes, and and I'm not an expert, but... I'm not a tax expert. Right. That's a big thing. Okay. That's a big thing. That's a that's a different, uh, whole different thing. But one thing that I do know is that rental income is the only thing that does not go towards your total income when determining your Social Security benefits. That's another big thing. So, so that's the one thing that you can do. So if you go out and get a job for... 60 grand a year that's going to affect how much social security everything you can receive but if you go out and you have enough rental properties that you're making 60 grand a year that does not go towards that number towards the so social security it. so there's a lot so, in that. So, so that's a big thing to consider yep. when you're my age uh, you know I'm still 59 for a couple of weeks but <laughs> I was going to see you a birthday in August <laughs> yeah. and then I'm September so uh and I'm just starting the numbers in the fives, so I'm good. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I'm on the beginning and end of it. All right. And the other question, Chris came in, new build inventory. What's the outlook? Um, they're building as fast as they can. But here's the thing, Chris, what I've always said about new build construction, um, new tape, there's red tape. The red tape to build and build, 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 build is always going to get worse and tougher in some regard. Population growth and demand, we're never, we're still 300,000 homes approximately. You can Google it. We're maybe 300,000 new homes per year behind the population growth. And that's been a problem for a long, long time. And that's why we have a massive shortage of inventory. So that's that. And inventory is up. Um, another guy had asked me about inventory, what's going on. Yes, inventory is climbing little by little by little, but not as much as we need it to. Yeah, so there is going to be a shortage of building uh, new homes uh, today, yesterday, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, until we can figure out the labor force. Okay, so many people are not getting into the construction trades, and that's where the shortage of homes is coming is because we don't have enough people to build them. Yeah, workers, people, supply chain issues now. We've got an array of things that have cropped up that are, you know, so the demand's there, but the the ability to supply them is not there. Got about two or three minutes. How long will my home last, Terry? This is the thing everybody wants to Um, we've already talked a little bit last week, started into this, that every home has a life expectancy, just like a car. It all depends on how well you maintain it and the condition of it. And so when I look at this condition affects buyers and sellers in different ways as a seller, it's all about the money. It's so when I meet with a seller, I have a question sheet. I have a sheet that I go over that's already filled out. Hopefully that I've already asked about everything. How is your roof, HVAC appliances, windows, any improvements you've done, any updates. I want to know that and how much you've spent and when you did it. Okay. That starts my basis as a listing agent to be able to start to understand how sellable is your home. 
How, mm-hmm. how is this going to affect everything with sellability? Okay. Sellers must always turn their minds into a buyer. You have to think like a buyer. The faster a seller turns their head into a buyer mindset is more money that they're going to make selling their home. It's just that simple. That's, our, that's the biggest battle I have. How fast can I get you to start thinking like a buyer instead of being a seller and you're too emotionally attached, which means you're going to get less money at the end of the day. Don't blame me. It's because of your mindset. That's part of managing expectations as a good real estate agent. Okay. Buyers. Okay. When buyers evaluate a home, like I do, I come in, um, it's a little different, but what, what I've had is I've never had a buyer yet, Terry, look at a house and never ask any questions about the maintenance or condition of a home. So it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. I help buyers with having a handy checklist, and this is amazing because it evaluates everything from top to bottom. Um, I give this away. By the way, it's on my it's on my website. And by the way, if you click on there, I have a landing page. You put your information in. I'll give you any information you want that's not on there, and I'll give you a five hundred dollar credit for settlement and a home warranty and all that fun stuff. Who else is going to do that today, right? Here's the thing: how old's the la- how's the house going to last? Number one, uh, we just did a condo. I don't care how long it lasts because it's part of the condo fees. It gets changed out. I'm worried about special assessments. Single-family homes or anything outside of that or a townhouse with an HOA, 15 to 25 years of the average roof uh, like expectancy of that, stuff like that. And those can be anywhere from six or seven grand. I can get that done on a townhouse, depending on how big it is. Single-family homes, it's all over the map. But the average, about 15 grand today. I've had okay. some as high as 25 that are a reasonable size home. You start getting into homes that are really big, 6,000 square feet, you're up to 40, 50 grand. All right, HVAC, 16 to 18 years shelf life. Okay. Okay. They average about 10 grand, depending on what you get. But there again, qualities, all that stuff like that. But I would say you need eight or 10 grand and all that. Uh, hot water tanks, 12 years, unless the furnace oil provides hot water and you don't have a hot water tank. People walked in homes and they're like, Darren, there's no hot water tank. The reason why? The hot water is supplied by your furnace. That's how my dad's house is in Pittsburgh, and that's how we grew up. Okay. So we never had a hot water tank that blew up and exploded and it changed out, but they're about 1000 to $1,800, depending on what size you get. Furnace, about a 50-year life, oil and gas, depending on that. Windows, 15 to 30 years. Exterior maintenance is about 10 to 15 on paint. Siding is about 40 years, depending on if it's aluminum, vital. Asbestos stuff, whoop. Different world. We'll touch on that one day. Carpets, about 8 to 10 years on the inside. Wood floors, about 60. Most flooring is about 30 years life. Kitchen cabinets, solid wood is about 50. Anything under that, forget it. Stuff today is just junk. Did you say 15 or? 50. Sorry, 50 years on. 5-0. 5-0. Yeah. Good on cabinetry. cabinets. Yep. I did all solid wood of mine about five years ago. I'll be honest with you, it was about 30 grand. But you know what? They're going to be here in 50 more years. And when I resell, I will recapture 70% of that money back. Oh, not to mention today, if I did my kitchen today versus five years ago, those same cabinets, instead of being what they are, they're about eight grand more, I bet. So I'm already ahead of the game in that regard. So you got to think about all those things like that. Now, enjoyment, use, sellability. Now, enjoyment, use, sellability. Um, I think I got, what, one more? We got three minutes left. All right, carpet, eight to ten years. Flooring, though, that's, you know, everybody, everybody's getting away from carpet a lot. Um, the town, the condo I'm helping with, we did the home inspection yesterday. Yeah. The only room in the house, uh, everything else had floors, wood, pergo, this, that, laminate, and all that fun stuff, and, and laminate, high-end laminate engineering. It was carpet, and, and I'm like, she's like, this one room, how much is it? And I said, eh, probably about 800 bucks in carpet, but for the same price, you can get, you know, luxury vinyl, throw a area rug down and call it a day. And she's right. like, oh, cool. So those are some of the things you got to think about in that regard. Um, flooring, kitchen cabinets, we talk about faucets. Ooh, 15 years. 
So your faucets don't stay good forever, the O-rings and all that go on it, and I'll deal with water stuff and supply, you know, whether it's on public, water, sewer, this, that, how that works. Appliances are 10 to 15 years or less, forget it, junk. We just dealt with that, and I say, look, the more bells and whistles those buggers got on them, the more goes wrong, and you want the most basic things, and if appliances are from the 80s, don't touch them. They don't make them like that no more. They don't. Keep them in there. Don't change them out because you're mad because it doesn't look good. We're talking functionability right now, boys and girls, because who wants to change out a dishwasher already three years? Well, friends of mine own Tribbles up here in Frederick, uh, Steve and Jim Coons, and uh, I had a refrigerator in a rental house uh, down at the bay, and uh, I had a refrigerator and a stove that were both, uh, one was from the uh, 60s and one was from the early 80s, and I'd go and get things from them and i'd say boy you know this is uh it's cheap to get them and and they basically said today's fridges and freezers they break all the time and the the life expectancy is zero and he said never get rid of these this is why a home warranty is really smart to get more than ever before and i'll talk about that actually i'll have one of the girls on our show that does that stuff let me finish this up whirlpool tub 20 years terry a toilet i love seeing this one lifetime as long as you don't break the porcelain, it's good. It's going to hold that water and all that good stuff. All right. Anyways, that was a fun one. Electrical switches, 15 to 20 years. So these go bad, and I know they do. Mm-hmm. Breakers, 20 years. Smoke detectors, about 10. Deck and wood products. Deckings and all. Wood products, about 20 years. And it depends there again how well you keep up with it. Um, this is a good one. Driveway. If it's concrete, about 40 years. Or if it's paved, maybe 20. Okay. So depending on what environment and where you live, concrete driveways can be good and all that stuff like that. So here's the thing, though. This is the lifespan, but I am very big on going over what are costs, what is an outlay with buyers especially of, like, what what would it cost today? Is it smart to just take the money today, invest in it, get it done, because what's the cost in the next five years going to be to do the same thing? Yeah, it can be a big difference, and I think we've experienced it in the last few years. So, all right, guys, I hope this has helped. Thank you guys for all your awesome questions. Amazing. And we're going to see you next, next week on your Frederick Real Estate Update. Have a great weekend. Happy buying and selling. And Terry and I are always here for you. Take care now. Looking to purchase a home or refinance your existing mortgage? If so, Lawyer Signature Settlements is here to assist you with that process. Lawyer Signature Settlements is a local attorney-owned title company with over 100 years of combined experience conveniently located in Frederick, Maryland. We are licensed to conduct closings in the states of Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. With two attorneys on staff here at Lawyer Signature Settlements, we ensure the most thorough review process paired with affordable rates, accommodating scheduling, and outstanding customer service. So next time you need to place your signature on closing documents, call Lawyer Signature Settlements at 301-695-1235 or visit us on the web at www.signaturesettlements.com. We hope to see you at the closing table. Hello, this is Terry Kernan with Presidential Bank Mortgage in downtown Frederick. And the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244, 301-639-9244, or you can always email me at tkernan at presidential.com. And this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock.